So hey there, friends, and welcome to episode 184 of Self-Kind with me, Erica Webb. So today I want to talk to you about guilt. And I posted something over on Instagram, I don't know, a little while ago, all about guilt. And today on the episode, I want to share what prompted that post, so a little story, and go into some tips and ideas around how to handle guilt when it arises, because goodness knows it has a habit of popping up. So that is what we're going to talk about today. Hi, and welcome to Self-Kind with me, Erica Webb. This is a podcast about what it means to be, live, and move through a lens of self-kindness. We'll look at the ways self-kindness can underpin our practices in movement, mindfulness, and mindset to support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's get into the show. All right. So guilt, if you are anything like me and most of the humans that I know, you probably experience guilt at times. And guilt can be about things that we did, things that we said, things that we didn't do, things that we didn't say, and it can feel really consuming. One of the things that I want to talk about today is that kind of body-mind connection around guilt. And some of the things that we can do to support ourselves when we're feeling that very icky feeling around feeling guilty. But I thought what I would do first is share a story around my own guilt and like a a really simple one. So I've experienced a lot of guilt in my life. um, And this story is very benign in the sense that, you know, I could share other stories that would be less kind of like, oh, that's a bit silly. But it's one of those stories that I think is quite impactful because it makes us realize how we can experience these very uncomfortable feelings in situations that are really quite normal. And we're going to talk a little bit about this idea that other people might minimize how we feel and how to address that as well. So what happened? So as some of you might know, I have started playing basketball in recent months. And I love it. And but I'm pretty new to team sports. So I did play a little bit of basketball when I was a kid, but only a very little bit. I played some volleyball when I was in high school, but my career as a team sports person has been very very limited. And so a lot of the sort of you know stuff around team sport is new to me. I don't know it all. I don't know what the protocol is. I don't know, you know, the right ways to behave, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I'm kind of learning it all as I go. And I played last week. And the team that we were playing against were pretty rough. <laughs> they were pretty pretty intense. And I had copped an elbow to the head right towards the end of the game. And it was a pretty aggressive elbow sort of thrust. It wasn't in the spirit of the game, I don't think. It was a pretty aggressive little thrust and kind of like shocked me a little bit. I wasn't hurt. It was fine. It was just kind of like, whoa, what was that? And it happened moments before the buzzer went. So the game ended. I was a little kind of like shocked at what had happened to my head. And I was really tired. I was super thirsty, very exhausted. And I walked over to the bench to get a drink, forgetting that the first thing you do when the buzzer goes is go and shake the other team's hand. So I finished taking my drink and all of that has finished. And the other team are kind of making their way out of the, out of the stadium. And I felt so bad because I hadn't shaked, shaken, shaken, shaked, shaken, shaken. That's probably the word, their hands. And I felt so bad about it. And I told everyone there that I felt really bad that I hadn't shaked their hands. Why does that not sound like the right word? Shook, shake, 
anyway, I felt bad about it. And I felt bad about it for like much too long, like a really long time. And in my head, I'm going, you should have known better. They're going to think you're an awful person. They're going to think that you're a bad sports person because, you know, you, you'd you cracked it because of the elbow to the head or whatever. I started making up all these stories. And the thing that I want to point out about this is that there was a reason why I did what I did. I'm not going to say that it was necessarily like the right thing to do, but there were reasons why I behaved the way that I did. And so my my big tip that I want to share in this episode is a question that you can ask yourself when you sort of find yourself stuck in that guilt cycle, right? Like that just kind of feeling kind of bad about it, telling yourself all the reasons why, and then kind of feeling worse and kind of being stuck in that kind of cyclical loop that feels like it just doesn't stop. And the question that I want to share with you is what thoughts, feelings, and circumstances contributed to this, right? So this being whatever it was that led you to feel guilty. Now, the reason that I think this is a really useful question is because it it gets to a couple of things. First of all, it asks us to connect with what we're feeling, right? It asks us to connect with what did I feel in that those moments or in that moment that led up to what I did or didn't do or say? And in connecting with our feelings, we start to get more of a, you know, that, that body-mind connection gets stronger every time we practice connecting with what we feel. And this allows us to become and practice more self-kindness and more self-compassion because we might still say, look, if I could turn around and change what I did, I would still change it, right? We're not trying to make what we did necessarily okay. Um, We're not, uh, although it might be, right? So what we did or said or didn't do might actually be perfectly fine. Um, But if it's not, right, if you've done something, you're like, I really wish I didn't do that, or I really wish I hadn't said that, or I really wish I'd done this instead. It's not necessarily about trying to make it okay, but it's about having compassion for who did that, right? You. (laughs) It's about finding the compassion and the kindness to be like, you know what? What I was thinking in that moment was, you know, why are people being so rough? What I was thinking in that moment is that I'm tired and I'm thirsty and I need a drink. I was feeling protective. I was feeling tired. I was feeling parched. I was whatever. And the circumstances that had led to that were, I don't really know. You know, I haven't lived in that um, team sport environment really. And so these are new rules to me. These are new kind of ways of being. And even though it's something so simple, it just isn't my first thought, right? And so I can look at those thoughts, feelings, and circumstances and be like, okay, I mean, it's reasonable potentially that you did what you did, or at least you understand what led there. And it opens, I think, the space for self-compassion because you can be like, wow, you really are so tired right now. Or you really were so whatever, or you really were feeling unsupported in that moment, or you really were feeling nervous in that moment or embarrassed in that moment or sad in that moment. And again, it's not to necessarily make what you did or didn't do like to minimize it or to make it, you know, right. But it is to open up space for ourselves to be in compassion with ourselves because there's nothing that we can do to kind of like rewind the clock. And so whether what we did was right or wrong, 
being able to be in compassion with ourselves and, and kindness with ourselves, I think is really important for them being able to like move beyond that feeling. The other thing that I want to point out with this feeling of guilt is the importance of like moving that feeling on in terms of physically moving it out of our body. So we've talked on this podcast before about, you know, the idea of nervous system hygiene or nervous system um, practices. And I'll link some of the episodes in the show notes. My friend um, JPB came in and spoke about that. Um, I'm sure there's a couple of episodes around that idea of, you know, needing to complete the stress cycle because our brain, when we go into these feelings of guilt or when we have perhaps something that kind of throws us into fear or throws us into um, anticipation and things like that, the physiological processes that go on in our body are very real regardless of how real that threat or, you know, thing that happened, how actually threatening that was. And so there's this very real physiological process that goes on in our body and we have to move it, right? We have to spend it as, as the case may be. And so, you know, one of the things that I noticed um, the other day is that that guilt felt like something in my body. It was definitely a thought as well, but it was also a body feeling. Now, I had just come off running a million laps of a basketball court, so I probably didn't need to run it off, but there was a need to process, right? There's a need for us to process the physiological response that happens in our body when it comes to things that are stressful and talking to ourselves like an enemy, like you're so stupid, you shouldn't have done that, you should have known better. All of that stuff is stressful. Like that is experienced as stress in our body. And so being able to draw upon our movement practices, our breathing practices, our mindfulness practices, to be able to literally move that physiology, like to, to respond to those physiological changes is really important. I mentioned back at the beginning, um, towards the beginning of this episode, this whole thing of minimizing. So one of the things that can happen with guilt <laughs> is that like, like this example, sometimes guilt comes up over things that, you know, I could tell you that story and you'd be like, that's literally not a big deal. I bet you nobody on the other team even noticed, nobody cared, even if they did, doesn't matter. There are so many examples of things that we might feel guilty about that somebody else listening to would be like, what is, why are you even wasting your energy on that? And I think that while there may be some truth in that, and that's fine, we also have to recognize that when somebody else minimizes our experience, it doesn't change the truth of that experience for us. And I think that that is really, really important to understand because if we're feeling a certain sort of way, somebody telling us that we shouldn't feel like that causes us or has the potential to cause us to sort of disconnect from what it is that we're feeling and be like, oh, well, I guess I'm wrong then, right? I guess these feelings that I'm interpreting in my body are incorrect or I've done something wrong or I think, you know, in a way that isn't right. And we can get into this this sort of sticky situation where we lose trust with ourselves because somebody else told us that this wasn't a big deal. Now, there is a chance that it isn't a big deal objectively. But if we are feeling like this is a problem for me, then we want to use that information as like really valid information to take and 
do something with. So an example of this might be going, okay, like for my, for, for instance, for me with this, with this basketball example, I looked at it and I thought, you know, objectively, this isn't a big deal. Like I'll remember next week to shake these women's hands and like probably these other people didn't notice. And if they did, like they'd already made some judgments about me, I'm sure of it. Um, you know, like whatever, like it, it just is what it is. And it, and it, in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter. But what I was able to do with the fact that I was really struggling to shift this emotion, right? Like I was really struggling to feel like I could kind of just set it aside and be like, okay, it is what it is. And so for me, that's an opportunity to go, like, what else is here, right? Like, what else is there there that I'm maybe not paying attention to? And for me, there is that really deep fear around getting things wrong. I don't want to get things wrong. And I don't want people to dislike me because I did something incorrect. And I know this about myself. And it's something that I'm definitely more skilled at navigating now than I was, you know, five, 10 years ago. But it's interesting to be able to go, okay, this is interesting. Like this is bringing up for me some stuff that's kind of still there and and still kind of uncomfortable um, and being able to then work with that, right? So that might be then where we take it to a, to our therapist or um, we work with, with, with someone to help support us with that. Because I think if we minimize or we take on board other people's minimizing of that, then instead of like working with and working through those other things that might kind of underlie those feelings, every time they come up, we just make ourselves wrong again. And it's like, what if you're not wrong? What if you're just needing a different kind of support? And I think that is so important because if we come back to this idea of like, how can I support myself or how can I draw upon the support that I need at any given time in order to figure that out, we have to be paying attention and we have to believe what it is that we feel and sense and think, right? Even though we don't want to always believe what we think, because sometimes our mind brings up some pretty wild ideas in terms of, you know, our capacity, but we have to be in a relationship with ourselves where we're willing to pay attention to the things that are coming up and not push them away and say, well, I shouldn't be feeling that. We, we want to be in this relationship with ourselves where it's like, wow, okay, I'm experiencing this. What kind of, what kind of support might I need in response? And this is where that body mind connection or that, that ability to be present to ourselves and how we feel is just so important. I want to tie this in with, with one other idea before we wrap it up. And that's this idea of using movement as a way to practice paying attention to our body. This is another post that I recently did over on Instagram. So if you want to go see the post, you can absolutely head over to my Instagram profile at Erica Webb underscore self-kind. But I did a little post about the fact that sometimes it's enough for our mindful movement practice to be about learning to pay attention because that's not easy to do. Like in our world, there are so many things that pull our attention and we might, you know, walk while we listen to a podcast, do our movement practice while we listen to music, like go for a walk with a friend and be talking. And all of those things are great. That's not to say that those things are not okay. I do all of them. But when are we practicing paying attention? When are we giving ourselves that space 
to be listening because it's really easy to say, well, I don't know how to listen to my body. I actually don't know how to interpret its signals. I don't know how to listen. I don't know what I'm listening for. I don't understand its language. It all seems hard. And while that is potentially true because it's not always the easiest thing to do, it's going to be really hard if we're never giving ourselves the opportunity to be paying attention. And so I think that that sometimes our mindful movement practice sole goal can be to pay attention with like no other goal, right? I'm, I'm moving my body. I'm exploring my body in order to become more skilled at paying attention. Because once we, once, or as we, as we get more skilled at paying attention, I was going to say once we can pay attention, but I don't think it's quite that, that, uh, you know, absolute. I don't think it's like we weren't paying attention. Now we are and forever will be ever more. But once we are more adept, I guess, at kind of moving into that attention space, then we're able to be in response and we're able to perhaps identify our goals or identify places where we need more attention or identify places where we're comfortable or uncomfortable or need input or, you know, um, desire change, any of those sorts of things. But it all starts with paying attention and, you know, wrapping it back into, into a, sort of this talk about guilt. Then we can kind of recognize that, okay, if I'm paying attention, if I'm, if I'm fostering that ability to pay attention to me, then I'm going to trust those physical sensations, those thoughts, those feelings that arise and be more willing to pay attention to them and less likely to respond with minimizing kind of language or behavior myself. So it's like you're giving yourself space and you're giving yourself permission to present with whatever it is that you're feeling and go, okay, well, now what am I going to choose to do with that? What am I going to choose to do to support myself or to to find the support that I need um, or to accept the support that is there that I require? But if we're not paying attention, if we're constantly feeling like we have to push those things away because we couldn't possibly be right, then I think we're kind of constantly playing this kind of catch-up game where we feel a thing, we have a response, but we think it shouldn't be like that and so we push it away and then it comes back and, you know, we get sort of stuck in this little bit of a cycle. So learning to pay attention, learning to trust, and then knowing that, you know, even if objectively the the what's going on isn't as big as it feels in your body, the feelings are still really, really, really valid and still, you know, like worth your attention and your response. So to wrap it up, we got the guilt. We asked the question, what thoughts, feelings and circumstances contributed to this? so that we can open the door, open the space for more self-kindness and self-compassion. Yes, we can still, you know, learn from that as well and we can kind of um, make decisions about what we do going forward, but really giving ourselves permission to be in compassion with ourselves and to be in kindness, knowing that probably as a result of the guilt we are like experiencing a level of stress within the body and needing to do something with that, so moving our body, moving our breath, um, calling on those support systems that we have with our movement practices and then practicing paying attention with our movement practice. And not always, it doesn't have to be every single time that you're like in complete silence and like listening for your body, 
but knowing that sometimes simply paying attention is reason enough to move your body. It doesn't have to be to reach, you know, any other kind of like more tangible goal. Moving to pay attention, to be curious, to be in connection or to open the door to be in connection with yourself is reason enough. And that's it. That's all I got for you this week. I hope that that provides you some tangible, useful, usable ideas around how to use your body and how to use that body-mind connection to help kind of move through some of that guilt that might pop up. Um, If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. You can find me over on Instagram. I'm at EricaWeb underscore selfkind. You can do that. You can reach out over there. You can um, also sign up for the the newsletter that I send out every week as well. So I send out a a weekly newsletter called Simple Shifts to Self-Kind Habits. Might change the name of that in the new year. We'll see. Um, But just simple tips, as the name suggests, for moving and being in relationship with yourself in a way that is more self-kind and, you know, feels really nurturing and friend-like rather than kind of feeling like you're um, in an adversary relationship with yourself or your body. So you can sign up for that via the link in the show notes. And until next week, keep being kind to yourself. I'll see you then. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Self-Kind. If you loved it, why not share it? And while you're there, take the time to subscribe, rate, and review the show. I'd love you to come hang out with me more too. You'll find me over on Instagram at EricaWeb underscore selfkind. And you can sign up for my e-newsletter by heading to my website, ericaweb.com.au. While you're there, you can also read up more about the Self-Kind Hub and other ways of working with me. Until next time, keep being kind to yourself. Bye.